Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you love meat, you find a way to take it with you everywhere you go, especially when it comes to getting outdoors. That's why Smithfield has so many high-quality, delicious meats that are perfect for any outdoor adventure. Whether the park you're headed to is a national park or just the one down the street, like Smithfield marinated roasted garlic and cracked black pepper fresh pork tenderloin, expertly seasoned for on-the-go flavor, or prime fresh smoked ham that'll have you building on-the-go sandwiches packed with flavor. Smithfield Extra Meaty Back Ribs bring hand-selected perfection to the backyard, and Smithfield Anytime Favorites will help you take the ham you savor to the places you love. From diced ham that'll turn any picnic into an outdoor feast, to hickory smoked boneless ham steaks that are the perfect cap to any hike. The great outdoors just got greater with Smithfield. For the love of meat. Greetings, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Nomad Strength Show. I am Ross Hilly, your host, and today is actually going to be the first solo episode of the podcast, which is kind of cool. So the way that this is going to work for future reference on the pod, we're going to do uh, Monday and Thursday releases. Mondays are going to be the long form uh, interview type things where I bring on guests to talk about whatever we're going to talk about. And then on Thursdays, we're going to do these shorter kind of in the 20 to 30 minute range. They're going to be solo shows. These are going to be things that are going to cover certain topics that I get questions about a lot. Um, but this is kind of a ever flowing, you know, it might, there's, there's no real limit to what we're going to talk about on these things. A couple of ideas that we had, we're doing things like book reviews, uh, you know, doing Q&As, doing a bunch of other things. But today's show is actually going to be one that is because of the nature of the type of training that I do and, and the way that I coach people is actually one of the most common topics that I get asked about all the time. And that is the topic of kettlebells. And I'm super excited to to really just kind of nerd out for a little bit with you guys on kettlebells because I love them so much and I think they're arguably the most versatile and mobile and all these other great words that I'm going to talk about later implement uh, that you can have when it comes to training. And, and the way that I train people is fairly minimalistic in nature. That's why everything is, you know, we're nomad everything. We're trying to be minimalist. We're trying to be minimum effective dose and be the most effective and the most efficient with as little as we need. And uh, the kettlebell is the perfect tool to accomplish all of those things. So when we're talking about kettlebell training, I want to actually do a little bit of history on the kettlebell because I don't think a lot of people know where the kettlebell came from, how it became to be such an important part of what we use in everyday fitness culture, because it wasn't always like that. And it's really got kind of a cool history and a really long history, uh, 
kettlebells have been around much longer than what most people realize. And uh, there's a little bit of speculation and debate on really who was the first to use the kettlebell. Um, However, there's something that's pretty inarguable when it comes to historical data. There's a 140 kilogram kettlebell, which if you're not familiar with, you know, international metric measurements, uh, a kilogram to a pound, you you do the, it's about 2.2 pounds uh, per kilo would be what a pound is. So 140 kilos is going to be probably close to 300 or a little bit over pounds. I'm not going to, I could probably do the math right here anyways, but uh, there's currently 140 kilogram kettlebell stored at the historical gallery of Athens that is dated from ancient Greece. And on the kettlebell, it's etched with a description of the weightlifter who actually managed to lift it overhead, which is crazy. Uh, So we don't know necessarily how long ago that was, but we're talking about like ancient Greece and there's dudes lifting 300 plus pound, uh, you know, stone kettlebells essentially overhead. Uh, So there's pretty good evidence that extremely, you know, really big ones were made used by like early Greek professional athletes. And then they also did them to show like feats of strength, which was actually one of the more common ways that they were used, uh, up until even then into the 20th century. Um, if you look at where most people know them from, it's actually, you know, traditionally what we consider a Russian origin, which we actually just discovered it was much older than that. And uh, But Russian is kind of the culture that gets associated with kettlebells the most. And uh, that started all the way into the, into the 1700s. They were used actually as like countermeasures to evaluate grain like a, a, on a scale and do those kind of things. And then they really kind of started using them to just see who the more powerful and strongest guys were by using them to do, you know, feats of strength. And and that's kind of how the strongman culture started with them. Um, So if we fast forward to a long time into the future from then, uh, when once they became kind of more well-known, we talk about the breakup of the Soviet Union in the late 80s. uh, There's a lot of Russian trainers and guys that ended up making their way over to America. And one of these guys was named uh, Pavel. And if you've heard the name Pavel, it's, you know, not a common name, but if you're in the fitness at all and you hear the name Pavel, we're always talking about this guy for the most part. Uh, He was a Russian Spetsnaz trainer that came and ended up really kind of bringing the kettlebells with him. And it was in the late 90s, he wrote an article defining kind of what kettlebell training was. And that was the first real publication on the subject. Um, but also, it kind of started the the wave of American companies making kettlebells in the, in the late 90s, early 2000s. That's when the company Dragon Door uh, really took off and started really making the kettlebells rigorous. Like, this was the first time that they were following these rigorous Russian standards. And then they really marketed more towards like hardcore athletes and martial artists. And it was a really kind of niche thing with kettlebells in the early days. It wasn't something that was in, uh, you know, regular health clubs or regular gyms around the country. It was really just this small community of people that were using them. Uh, And then Pavel went on to develop RKC, which is the Russian Kettlebell Club, uh, which he's since uh, broken from and, and now operates mostly in what's called Strong First, but uh, that was kind of the original Pavel clan of 
training kettlebells and how to use kettlebells. And they're still around today and they still do uh, certifications and courses and they're still, you know, teaching how to use kettlebells in the ways that he uh, taught everybody how to use them. And so from there, really kind of where the use of the kettlebell really exploded in the early to mid 2000s after Pavel kind of brought everything over was like so many other things in fitness nowadays really exploded with the use of, of if the, or excuse me, with the creation of CrossFit. And that was when we started seeing kettlebell swings more commonly put into workouts. And ever since, you know, 2004, 2005, when CrossFit really kind of started to take off, that's when kettlebells became a lot more of a main staple in gyms around the country. And now you go to any gym really in the world at this point, and you're going to find some kettlebells in there, uh, at least in some form. So a little bit of a history there, but I wanted to start with some of the questions that I get a lot about how do we start with kettlebells? What weights do I need to select? What are the, the most important movements that I can do? I mean, there's all these kind of things that people aren't really sure how to use them because they're these weird little cannonball with a handle looking things. And to start, really, the the most important thing to note is you can do every single exercise with a kettlebell that you can do with a dumbbell. Uh, it's just different. Like the the loading is different because it's obviously the weight is below the handle rather than on either side of the handle like it is on a dumbbell. But there's, you know, every, every exercise that's available to you as a dumbbell exercise, you're still able to do with a kettlebell. And so there's that kind of wall in a lot of people's minds that, you know, I, I don't know any exercises with a kettlebell. Well, really, I mean, you can do every single exercise that you would with most implements and especially with a dumbbell, do them with a kettlebell. Uh, one of the things that I get asked is, you know, what weights do I start with? And I kind of have some general recommendations for men and for women. Uh, if you're getting kettlebells and, and, I generally recommend you get two kettlebells to start. Uh, one as a pressing kettlebell and then one as a squat slash swinging kettlebell. Uh, there's a couple of reasons for that. The The main reason as far as having a heavier one to squat and to swing with is because most of the time we don't swing heavy enough bells to actually get the benefit of the proper movement and loading of a kettlebell swing if we're using too light of a weight. And most people, when they're starting out swinging kettlebells, go way too light because they're nervous about the movement, about you know throwing out your back or whatever, all of these kind of things. When in actuality, having a little bit of a heavier kettlebell than you maybe think you need will give you the momentum and the loading properly in order to do the movement correctly, which is actually going to make it a little safer for you. So uh, if we're having two kettlebells, one for pressing, one for uh, one for squatting and swinging, if we're talking about what weights to recommend for men, I usually recommend somewhere in the 25 to 35 pound range for your pressing bell, and then somewhere in the 40 to 50 pound range uh, or maybe a little bit lighter if you're brand new to kettlebells, maybe in the 35 to 45 pound range for squats and for swings. Uh, keeping in mind that the stronger you get, the more you do this, you, you'll probably be able to get to a point where you're pressing what was used to be your swing and squat bell, and then actually getting a heavier bell to do those kinds of things. So it's all just a matter of growth and progression and strength. Uh, but those are the general starting points that I usually like to recommend if somebody's buying kettlebells. Um, you don't need to go overboard and buy like all these matching sets and all of the, you know, have this whole array of, of kettlebells at your disposal. 
if we're trying to be as minimal as possible, two is generally the recommendation, although you can still get a lot of stuff done with one. If you're only going to get one, I would recommend you float towards a little bit of the heavier of the pressing side, uh, maybe towards that 35 pound if you're if you're a man and you'll just have some lighter swings to do. But if, if at all possible, I would recommend getting two. And then the next thing I would recommend after that is to get a matching one of both of the ones that you currently have. That way you can do some double hand stuff and farmer's carries and uh, some some suitcase deadlifts with the heavier ones. I mean, you have a lot more options available to you when you have some matching sets. Uh, but that's not a necessity. You can absolutely do those things with just the two that you have. So uh, the next part of what I like to cover is my two favorite exercises to do with kettlebells. And I, man, I would prescribe these in every single program I write for a client, keeping in mind that there's obviously scaled versions of each of these movements, but some form of a kettlebell swing and some form of a Turkish getup. Those are the two in my opinion, biggest bang for your buck exercises that exist, period. But the fact that they majority of the time happen to be used with kettlebells really like solidifies why I tend to float towards using kettlebells for so many things, uh, really because of these two movements in general. So with the kettlebell swing, it's really like the the exercise that everybody kind of kind of knows with a kettlebell. You see somebody grabbing a kettlebell, they're probably going to try and do a swing at some point. And uh, mentioned earlier, when it comes to selecting the weights, we actually want to use a little bit heavier than what we might think we need when we're doing a swing. Now, there are some steps and progressions that you would need to take in order to get to the point where you're using the explosive movement like a swing. We want to make sure that we can deadlift properly, that our hip hinge movements are efficient and that we can move safely in that regard before we get to a swing. Um, and I've actually got a video up on YouTube that goes over some progressions of how to build up to the swing and then some tips to make your swing better. So if you, if you search nomad strength on YouTube, uh, kettlebell swing tips is up there, but, um, that's one of the things that we want to keep in mind is like, yes, you're going to build up progressions in order to get to where we use the kettlebell swing. But once we're at the point where we're ready to learn the kettlebell swing, I would advise that you actually use a little bit, maybe 10 pounds heavier of a weight than you think you need to start with because the way that the weight carries your momentum through each part of the swing, you want to be able to force action through your hips to drive that power. If you're able to pick it up as like a, a front shoulder raise and do that at the top of your swing, it's too light. Go a little bit heavier and use the drive from your hips, your low back, your glutes, your hamstrings, that whole posterior chain, and really get the maximum benefit out of driving that hip uh, and driving that kettlebell up and forward and be explosive with it. Uh, the get up, I think, from a universal standpoint of the youngest person I would be able to train to the oldest person I would be able to train. This is the movement that I would do with every single person and prioritize it at every level. And, and the reason of that is everybody needs to know how to get off the ground. And when you actually talk about training older populations, this is like quite literally life and death 
type of stuff. This doesn't mean that we're going to do this exercise with weight all the time, but the process by which you go from laying on your back to standing straight up with an arm overhead, if you're holding a weight or if you're not holding a weight, uh, learning that skill and and practicing and developing that skill and can literally be life save life saving. So um, it's one of those things that I also actually have a video on YouTube. If you want to learn how to do the get up, you can search that as well. There's also tons of great resources out there uh, to learn how to do the get ups properly. But when you're talking about the benefits of doing the get up outside of you know those older populations maybe saving their lives, the development of core strength, uh, shoulder stability, core stability, rotational strength, all of these things. It's, I've said bang for your buck several times already, but swing and get up are, in my opinion, the two biggest bang for your buck exercises that exist. And the reason is because you get so many benefits for doing just these single movements that if I were to pick two movements and never be able to uh, use any other exercises with anybody, I would might pick, I, I know I would pick one of these two. I would probably pick both of these, but I might throw in something like push-ups or walking lunges or something. I don't know. Uh, there might be something else I might throw in there, but one of these two for sure would make that list. And and honestly, probably both of them would be my top two exercises if I only had to pick two forever. And the last thing that I'll cover on this, on this episode today, talking about kettlebells is how do we go about implementing them into our training program? Because a lot of people, you know, we see these exercises like, okay, well, but how do I use them in an actual training program? And really there's no right or wrong way because it's whatever implement you choose. So if we're talking about just using kettlebells, then you would just use the kettlebells for all the movements that you would normally use with dumbbells or barbells or sandbags or whatever. But really the the main thing I want to get across here is it's just about your intent with your training in the way that you're going to do them. I know a lot of people who kind of scoff at the idea of kettlebells because, well, how could they make you as strong as barbells would? And really if we're talking about absolute strength and if you're trying to lift the most weight possible, obviously they can't. But if we're talking about using real world strength and still being able to uh, move athletically, build really good quality strength and even some muscle as well, I think the, the kettlebells are a lot more versatile in that way. So it really just depends on why you're using them. If all you're going to do is use kettlebells for you know the next phase of your training, the next 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, whatever it is, then really focus on how you're moving with those kettlebells. If you're doing presses with them, really focus on moving correctly. If you're, I mean, focus on moving correctly if you're doing everything, obviously. But intent is what matters when it comes to your training uh, because it really doesn't matter what, implement you're using. I could prescribe all of the same things that I'm going to prescribe with kettlebells. And if all you did, and and if all you had was a set of dumbbells, you'd still get, you know, almost the exact same stimulus or training effect as you would with these kettlebells if they were the same weights. It's just a matter of what you enjoy and how you want to go about training. And if it's something that you're going to be able to stick with long term. Because that's really the whole key to training is what do I enjoy doing and what is going to make the results happen for me? But what am I going to be able to do long term? What am I going to be able to do for the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years rather than the next 
you know, three months. If it's something that you're going to burn out on, you're like, I don't really enjoy using kettlebells or whatever. That's fine. Don't use them anymore. Uh, I'm going to use them forever. And there'll probably be a point where I use nothing but kettlebells, but that point has not come yet because I still like using sandbags and and doing some barbell lifts and Olympic lifting every once in a while. But uh, if you were to use kettlebells and nothing else, you would achieve incredible levels of fitness and strength and probably have more progress focusing on a singular thing like that and really focusing intently on movement quality and bringing the proper loading and intensity into the movement. The implement isn't the the driving factor of progress. It's those two things. It's movement quality and then proper loading and intensity and really kind of the third really the umbrella of all of it, but kind of the third thing is your intent and your ability to focus. So if you have those things dialed in, you'll have great success whether you use kettlebells, dumbbells, sandbags, barbells, stones in your yard, whatever it is. But know that I enjoy kettlebells. This is why I like to use them, which is the reason I did this whole uh, this whole episode on kettlebells specifically. I believe that they are the most versatile tool when it comes to being minimal, being mobile, and still getting the most effective and efficient workouts in that you can. If you have any other questions about kettlebells, there are great resources out there. You can search RKC. You can search Strong First. Uh, I have a couple of videos up like I mentioned earlier, talking about breaking down some of the movements like swings and get-ups. There's a couple other ones on there, kettlebell specific. Uh, but just look at it as something you're learning and messing around with to have fun and experiment. That's one of the biggest lessons that I've come across and learned these last almost 10 years now coaching people and last really 16 years training myself is experimentation is what makes this whole thing fun. And that's how you know what actually works for you and what doesn't. It doesn't matter what I say to you or what I prescribe to you if it doesn't work for you and then we still just try to do the exact same thing. You're not going to have any progress. Experiment with different things for different amount of time, different amounts of time. You're going to find something that you enjoy. You're going to find something that works. And that's going to be ultimately what is leading you to be the most successful version of yourself and being the fittest, the strongest, and the most capable man and human that you can be. So that's going to wrap it up for the kettlebell talk. If you have any other questions about kettlebells, please reach out and let me know. I'd love to go over them with you. So that is going to do it for this episode. Hope you guys learned some stuff. Please go rate, review, subscribe, do all the normal podcast things that really does help us uh, get seen and grow this thing. So have a good rest of your day and we'll see you all next time.